Um, so when I was invited out and asked uh, what book of the Bible I'd be interested in covering, I sent a couple. I put Acts at the top, but I was thinking, I'm not getting that one. They've already had speakers come. I'm sure somebody has already picked Acts. So I was surprised when I found out, sure, Acts is available. Uh, and then I started preparing, and I realized why Acts was still available. And it's <laughs> because I have 45 minutes to try to cover 28 chapters that are just jam-packed full of good stuff. Um, And so now I know why everybody was picking Jonah and Daniel and the short books, even though Mike did say David Deffenbaugh last week did Psalms. So I don't have any excuses. But uh, we are going to talk a little bit about Acts. Rather than try to do a full overview of the book of Acts, I'm just going to take your your theme to heart. And so what we're going to do is we'll talk a little bit about Acts and kind of the structure and and why I think that Luke wrote it the way he did. Uh, But then we're going to focus on what I think is the main point of Acts, uh, what is Luke's main focus throughout the book, uh, and then hopefully draw some application for us at the end. Um, I don't know if you knew this, I'm sure you did, but Acts is actually a sequel. I grew up uh, as a child, I remember we owned this movie, The Rescuers Down Under. We loved this movie, and it wasn't until I was a teenager that I found out that it was a sequel. I was like, wow, my parents blindsided me. They never even told me. I don't think to this day I've seen the original Rescuers. Um, And so, surprise, Acts is not a standalone book. It's actually a sequel to the book of Luke. And so it's interesting um, that John sits between Luke and Acts in our English Bibles, uh, because really, Luke and Acts were meant to be viewed as, as one, uh, as one story. And so it may seem like a strange place to start if we're going to do a study on the book of Acts, but we're going to start uh, in Luke chapter 1. So if you will, turn over to Luke chapter 1. So Luke is uh, the author of both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. He writes these books to a young man named Theophilus. And, in fact, we're told that uh, in the first several centuries, the book of Acts and the book of Luke would actually circulate together as one piece, uh, often called either beginnings or origins of the church. It was viewed as one story. Uh, It wasn't until much later that the two were separated. uh, And so I think we can learn a lot about Luke's intentions with Acts from what we read in Luke. And so uh, Luke chapter 1 I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, but especially pay attention to verse 4 here. It says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. And so that's Luke's focus. Uh, He is interested in giving a good, thorough report of not just the life of Christ, but as we're going to see in the book of Acts, uh, a history of the early church. Because that's really what Acts is. It gives us an account of the early church, their practices. Uh, We get a lot of sermons in the book of Acts that uh, obviously focus on Christ and the salvation that he brings. And so... I just want us to, as we go into this, I think it's just important for us to see that the story of Jesus and the story of His church are not two separate stories. It is one continuous story. And so there's a reason why 
the book of Acts picks up right where Luke ends because it's the same story. Yes, Jesus has died and has been raised and has ascended to heaven, but when Acts picks up, we're right there at the same place. Uh, and we're going to continue that story. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to look at the story through the book of Acts. And like I said, after we do a kind of a little overview here, uh, we'll look at some ways I think it applies, especially to us today in our culture. And so here is, we're going to look at a couple different outlines. Uh, the best outline that I have found for the book of Acts is actually one that Luke gives himself. So if you look at Acts chapter 1, uh, in verse 8, this is what Jesus tells his apostles right before he ascends into heaven. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And so in this one verse, Luke actually gives us an outline of the rest of his book, because through the story uh, in the book of Acts, we are going to see as the gospel moves from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. And so here is here's that outline. You can see those with the verses. Um, starts in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Peter gets up. He preaches his first sermon. And from that point until when Stephen is stoned and the church is scattered... Most of the action is taking place right there in Jerusalem, just like Jesus says. Then in the next few verses, we see because of that persecution that arose because of the stoning of Stephen, uh, the, the gospel then begins to move outward from Jerusalem. And so we see it in Judea and then Samaria. And then even from there, the rest of the book is going to follow Paul on his missionary journeys as he takes that gospel throughout the rest of the world. And so, really, Luke gives us the best outline for his book right there in Luke chapter one, I mean, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, but I thought we'd, we'd look at a couple different ways that we can break these books down because I know it may seem maybe like a waste of our time. We've only got 45 minutes to get through 28 chapters, so why are we looking at some outlines? I think these help, un, help us to understand uh, what, what Luke's main point is in writing this, this story. And so... You can also break it down into two major sections. You've got chapters 1 through 12. Both sections kind of have central figures, a central location, uh, a kind of a similar focus. And so this first section that you see in chapters 1 through 12, primarily it deals with the church there in Jerusalem. Uh, and Peter is kind of the, the center of the action. I hate to say primary person. Obviously, the primary person throughout the story is Jesus. I think we understand that. But, but Peter is kind of the man that, that we're watching his story unfold throughout those first 12 chapters. He's the one that's doing a lot of the preaching, the teaching. Um, and so we follow Peter in those chapters. Then we kind of see a shift as we move into chapter 13. Uh, as the rest of the book becomes more missionary in focus, we, we turn our attention to Paul. Paul begins going out, and he's doing the preaching. Not to say Peter's not still back in Jerusalem preaching and teaching, but our focus has now shifted to Paul. Uh, the church there in Antioch that we would maybe call Paul's supporting church as he's on his missionary journeys, they're kind of the focus now. And while the first 12 chapters mostly deal with Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, we see that second section kind of deal with the, the remotest part of the world, as uh, verse 1-8 says. So that gives you another kind of way to look at it. I've also seen, I think, I'll, and again, I'm just going to put this up there for you. 
I think this is also an interesting way to look at it. Each one of these sections is broken up by what, what you could call a summary verse. Um, if you look at each of these verses, they kind of are similar in tone. It's, and the church continued to increase, or the gospel continued to spread, and the church grew. Each one of these verses sound the same way. And so, in each of these sections, you see the church grow in an area, and then you see this summary verse, and then you kind of see the church begin to grow beyond that. And uh, so, with each section, you kind of see this extension of the gospel into further parts of the earth. Okay, so why spend so much time talking about this? Because we could spend all night just talking about different ways to break down the book of Acts. I think there is a main focus uh, throughout the book of Acts. And, I mean, I don't know. You could have every guy who's come and, you know, spoken to you on a different book. I'm sure they'd all have different ideas on what the main lesson in the book of Acts is. But while there's lots of different themes, uh, lots of different topics come up, obviously Christ is a pretty big theme in the book of Acts. The church is a big theme in the book of Acts. Uh, the Holy Spirit is you know, a very important part to the book of Acts. I think at its core, the idea that, that Luke is trying to get across as he works through the history of the church is this. If I can hit the button correctly. Uh, salvation is for all. And so what we're going to do with the rest of our time is we're going to kind of follow that theme through the book of Acts. Uh, I think a lot of the other themes kind of fall under this umbrella. And we're going to watch as, just like Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, it begins there in Jerusalem. You know, salvation is offered for that first time there uh, in the sermon, there on that day of Pentecost. But it's going to grow from there. And so we're going to kind of follow that uh, as we look here uh, at this theme. So um, let's start in Acts chapter 2, if you haven't turned over there yet, let's look at Acts chapter 2. And let's kind of follow this theme of salvation uh, through the book. So Peter gets up. It's this, the day of Pentecost. People are gathered there in Jerusalem. We're going to come back to it in a second. But in verses 8 through 10, we, just, we find that there are tons of different people there. Uh, not just large numbers of people, but people from all over the world are gathered together. Peter and the apostles, they receive the Holy Spirit. They begin speaking in tongues. The people are amazed. And so Peter stands up and he gives what many call the first gospel sermon. Uh, Peter stands. He proclaims this message. We're not going to read all of this. uh, But I think it's important to notice what he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 21. Uh, He he begins by quoting from the prophet Joel. Uh, You can find that in Joel 2, 28 and 29. Uh, And he comes down here to verse 21, and he says, And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's saved. That's the first time in the book of Acts that we see the word save or salvation appear. And I think it's fitting that the very first time it's mentioned, we already see this idea that this is not just for a select group. This is offered to everyone. Uh, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so that's, that's what... Uh, Peter says there in his first sermon, and he's going to go on to explain that Jesus was that Savior. He came, he lived, and he tells the people that you killed him. Uh, And we know how the story goes. The the people hear that, they're convicted, and so they respond, look, what do we need to do to make things right? Uh, And Peter tells them uh, in Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized, you will see the forgiveness of your sins. And so This is the first time that we see salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ offered uh, 
to mankind. Uh, certainly, in the Old Testament, we, we've seen God's salvation to his people in other forms, but this is the very first time that salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ is offered. And so, uh, I think it's important for us to see that right here, the very first sermon, Peter makes it clear that this is not just for us. Now, I don't know that the Jews fully understood that yet, but right here in the very first sermon, he makes it clear that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved. And so he goes on throughout the rest of the book to explain exactly what that means. And it ends up being Peter, in fact, who gets to take that message for the first time to the Gentiles. And, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But we're going to see through the book of Acts that certainly salvation was first offered to the Jews. We see it right here in Acts chapter 2. Um, but eventually... Uh, Certainly God would have offered it to the Gentiles even if the Jews had all, had all accepted it. But eventually the Jews don't listen anymore. And we'll see as Peter and Paul both tell the Jewish people, look, we, we've tried. This message was for us and for, our, you know, for the Israelite people. But now, look, we're turning to the Gentiles as well. Um, in fact, if you want to turn over to Acts chapter 13, I think right here in the middle of the book of Acts, Uh, we get an excellent kind of picture of that shift, as Paul says it in uh, one of his sermons. Um, In Acts chapter 13, and and we are going to read a little bit of this. We're going to start in verse 16. I want you to listen as, you know, before this point, it had been that salvation had been offered to God's people, and, and that meant the Israelites. They saw it that way. And we'll go back and look at this in a minute, but uh, in Acts chapter 10, when Peter proclaims the gospel to the Gentiles for the first time, there's some kickback from the Jews because Gentiles are not God's people in their eyes. Uh, but, But listen to the way that Paul phrases this, starting in verse 16 of Acts chapter 13. It says, Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out from it. For a period of about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. After these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. After he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he had testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, uh, who will do all my will. And so up to this point, he's just kind of giving them a history lesson. He's saying, hey, remember, God, God's been with us. He's taken care of us. He's given us these leaders. Uh, then this is what he says, starting verse 23. From the descendants of this man, meaning David, according to promise, God has brought to Israel a savior. So there's that idea of salvation. Jesus, after John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. While John was completing his course, he kept saying, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, but behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. So again, John is proclaiming that the Savior has come, and notice that he continues to say that the, the proclamation, the, that baptism of repentance is all being proclaimed to the people of Israel. And so for a long time, salvation is being offered to that people. But notice the shift as we move into verse 26. He says, Brethren, 
sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God. To us, the message of this salvation has been sent. And so the message was sent to them. And he's going to go on and he's going to talk about how David is long gone. uh, And that this message that they're proclaiming, verse 38, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him, meaning Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. So he's talking to Jews about their faith, their history, and he's saying this forgiveness, this salvation was brought to you. Some of them respond positively. Some of them hear it. They listen and, you know, they're saved. But again, some people don't. Some of the Jews uh, are, are less welcoming and so as we read through the rest of the chapter, we, we find out that the Jews kind of rise up against Paul and rise up against Barnabas. And so this is what it says in verse 46. So, well, first of all, let's look at some of these passages. So verse 26, we see that this message of salvation has been sent to Abraham's family. These are to the Jews, okay? And then we move to verse 38 again. It's that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, to the Jews, all of this still carrying that idea of salvation. But then we, we move. Verse 46, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, meaning to the, to the Jews. Uh, Since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. And so you have this shift from God is offering his salvation to to the Jews, it's being brought to them first because they are God's chosen people, but this salvation through Jesus is not saved just for them. And as the Jews continue to say, no, look, we're not interested, eventually the attention turns and they begin to share it with the Gentiles too. Now, I'm glad because I don't know about you, I'm not Jewish. (laughs) Uh, And so that puts me in the camp of the Gentiles. And I'm glad to find out already knew, spoiler alert, but to find out from the book of Acts that, look, this is a salvation that's not just offered to the Jewish people. It's for us. Uh, It's for all. And so when we talk about this idea that salvation is for all, uh, we're going to, you follow it through the book of Acts from a time where it was for the Jewish people. It was offered to them first, but eventually as you work through the book of Acts, we're going to see all sorts of different people uh, who turn to Christ uh, for that salvation. And so when I say salvation is for all, it's for all places, and it's for all people. So certainly in the book of Acts, you see a great reach on a geographic scale. Uh, It it starts there in Jerusalem, but it spreads throughout some different regions. Uh, And then also different types of people. And we'll look at some of those here in a second. But let's look at those two passages. Uh, They're listed after that first one. Acts chapter 2. Starting in verse 8. Listen to all these different groups of people who are there on the day of Pentecost to hear this first sermon. Uh, Because they're blown away that as the apostles speak, uh, they all in their different um, languages understand what they're saying. So verse 8, And how is it that we each hear him in our own language to which we were born? I just realized I got myself in trouble because I'm about to read a lot of long names. And so if you're smarter than me and you know I say one of these wrong, just tell me afterward. Just don't call me out publicly. This is the kind of verse that you give to somebody for a scripture reading just to make them squirm. 
But verse 9, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Ferga and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Now, I am not an expert in first century geography, but from, from what I read, these groups for the most part, make up most of what was known as the Roman Empire. And so you have people from, from the apostles' perspective everywhere coming and hearing this message. And so certainly when we talk about for all places, we talk about this, this global reach of the gospel and that salvation. But one of my favorite passages in, Acts chapter, uh, in the book of Acts is there in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 and verse 10, this is what it says. Uh, they had been preaching and uh, you know, teaching to the different people. And then in verse 10 it says, This took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now, obviously we live in a much bigger world now. Uh, but when you, during that time, say all of Asia, for them, that's the world. I mean, that is the whole world. And so the fact that they had gone and taught the gospel until all who lived in Asia had heard it, you know, when Jesus stood before the apostles and he gives them the great commission and says, go into all the world, I think the apostles believed that they were supposed to fulfill that commission in their life. And that's what they did. You know, we hear, go into all the world, and I think, well, I'm, I'm going to do my part. I'll go into you know, my little corner of the world. And certainly that's noble, and, and that's what we're called to do. But when Jesus stood before the apostles and said, you go into all the world and preach the gospel, you know what they did? They went into all the world as they knew it, and they preached the gospel. And so Acts chapter 19.10 is one of my favorite passages in Acts because it shows me that the apostles believed in their heart that they were completely fulfilling uh, Jesus' great commission for them. And that shows you know, great obedience uh, and, and the wonderful ways that Jesus uh, and God was, was able to use those apostles to accomplish His will because they were willing. Uh, and so, for all places, right? It, it's, it's a global reach. But not just all places, uh, all people. Let's look, at, let's look at some of the different groups that we see um, in the book of Acts. Again, one of the, my favorite things about the book of Acts is that as you read it and you hear some of the different conversion stories, it's repetitive in that the conversions are the same. We, we see the same things happening each time these individuals uh, come to Christ, but every story is different. You have people from different backgrounds, different genders, different races, all coming together. Sure, they're, they're doing the same thing to become a part of the church, uh, but we see that, that global reach, not just in that it went throughout all the world, but to all these different peoples. So we already mentioned Jews, Gentiles, both. Um, there in Acts chapter 10, we read this story of um, Peter, and he goes to Cornelius. As a child, I thought that Peter had one of the weirdest dreams anyone has ever had. Uh, and it, it's still weird. You know, he's, he's asleep, and he wakes up, and there's this giant sheet that's coming down from heaven, and it's just filled with all sorts of different animals. Uh, and a voice from heaven says, rise, kill and eat. Uh, I was in school with a guy who 
big hunter. He loved hunting. I think that's his favorite passage. Rise, kill, and eat. He always said, that's my favorite verse in the Bible, because I like to kill and I like to eat. I was like, that's fine. I've never been hunting in my life, so I couldn't relate. But I'm glad that people like him hunt, because I do enjoy eating quite a bit. Uh, but Peter sees this, this huge sheet come down out of heaven, filled with animals that, under the Jewish law, were unclean. And so that's how he responds. He says, I can't eat that. I've never eaten anything unclean in my life, and I'm not going to start now. And God tells Peter, look, don't, don't call something unclean that I have made clean. Now, yes, that dream is important because it means we get to eat bacon, right? That's exciting. <laughs> you may not be excited about that part of the dream. I get excited because, hey, we get to eat bacon, right? As God's people, that's approved now. Uh, thank you. <laughs> but, but Peter's dream is about so much more than just what foods he can now eat. Uh, we go on to find that as he has conversations with Cornelius uh, and his family who are Gentiles, that guess what? Now... No longer are they viewed unclean by God. Uh, now salvation is offered for all. So, yes, the Jews, but certainly the Gentiles as well. This salvation um, is offered to them. We see an Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, Philip meets this Ethiopian uh, on the road. The Ethiopian has this scroll rolled out. It's the book of Isaiah. He says, hey, do you, do you know what you're reading? And he goes, honestly, no, not if, unless somebody shows me. How. And so Philip hops up with him, and he teaches. I love the way it says he taught him from where he was to Jesus. In other words, he took him from where he was at in, in uh, Isaiah, and he led him from there to teach him about Christ. And so we see then, you know, when they come to some water, the Ethiopian says, look, here's some water. What keeps me from being baptized? And, and that's what happens. Uh, again, from a, a different culture, a different race, and yet salvation is for him, right? Uh, we see later on, we, we mentioned already a Roman centurion, Cornelius and his household. I mean, he's a Roman. He doesn't have any connections with Israel, uh, with that religion, and yet because he's God-fearing and is seeking after those things, salvation is offered to him as well, um, we see in two separate situations, lame men. Okay, so maybe from the others, well, we're, all right, well, maybe it's just like the upper, you know, the upper crust. But no, look, you've got these, these poor lame men in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 14. Uh, salvation is for them as well. Um, there are several different places throughout the book of Acts where I think Luke, for a purpose, mentions women. Uh, and so in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15, we read the story of Lydia and, and, and her conversion. So again, I don't think Luke, you know, Luke says in, Acts, in Luke chapter 1 that he was diligent to sit down to collect, he investigated. Meaning when Luke shares something, it's not just because he's like, I'll just, I'll just pick a couple random conversion stories. Oh, this one sounds good, and oh, that one was good. I think Luke had a purpose, and, you know, I hate to just say Luke, I think God had a purpose through Luke for the stories that he chose. Uh, and I think there's a reason why, in a time and a culture where women were not respected, salvation was for them as well. Uh, and I think that there's a reason behind Luke including that. We see in Acts chapter 16 a Philippian jailer uh, who, even when he responds with the question, what must I do to be saved?, 
To this day, I'm not sure if the Philippian was thinking spiritually or if he's just thinking, what do I got to do to convince you to stick around so I don't die? Um, Even in that situation, Paul uses that to lead him to Christ. Philippian jailer, salvation is for all. Uh, You see in Acts chapter 17, verse 34, it's for the religious elite. You've got these people who, they're religious, they view themselves as way up here. Look, if you're willing to humble yourself, salvation is for you as well. And then, I mean, we get really weird. Magicians and sorcerers, right? I mean, that is, that is a unique group of individuals. Look, if you work through the book of Acts, then it's just Jewish people, Jewish people, Jewish people. And then eventually we get to some Gentiles, but most of them are the same. Um, the book of Acts wouldn't have the same impact. But when you look at that group of individuals, that's a very unique group of people. Why? Because that's what the church is, a unique group of people. One of the reasons I enjoy getting to travel uh, and and go and speak sometimes is to be reminded that that the God's church is all over the place. Uh, Whether you're, you know, out here in Choctaw or in Oklahoma City, I grew up in Denver. I love going home and visiting my family in Denver. Uh, As you travel around the world and you visit different, you know, uh, congregations of the Lord Church, we're all saved. We're all connected in Christ, and yet we've got very different people from very different backgrounds. Uh, That should make us excited because I'm a unique guy. I'm glad that there is a a group of unique people that that, uh, have that salvation offered to them. And so when we talk about salvation being for all, certainly it's spread throughout the whole world geographically, but but also to all these different kinds of people. I think Luke wanted us to understand that salvation not for a specific group. Um, salvation is for all. And so, if you follow this theme, if you follow it from uh, Paul's, I mean Peter's first sermon there in Acts chapter 2, you see it all the way to the end. Acts chapter 28, verse 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles they will also listen. And so from when it's first introduced on the scenes to the Jews there in Acts chapter 2 until until Paul here says in the last chapter, look, it's it's offered for the Gentiles as well. You see that theme of the salvation being for all stretched throughout the entire entire book. Are there other themes? Absolutely. I mean, we could spend time talking about the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we could spend time talking about the structure and purpose of the church. Uh, we could talk for, you know, at length about preaching and teaching and its importance to the early church. Um, but, I mean, in a way, all of those things fall under the, the category of salvation being for all because all of those things work together to make that happen. And so I didn't want to just go through that and say, so that's the message for tonight. I hope you remember that about the book of Acts. I always want to try to make some kind of application. And truthfully, when you ask yourself, what is the lesson for today? I mean, it's the same thing, right? I think I must have just little dainty fingers because I can't get that button. Uh, Look, in our current culture, in a time where it feels like everyone is divided, I, I can't think of a better theme for us to focus on than this one right here. Um. Here we are 2,000 years after the church has been established, after Peter and Paul got up and preached these great gospel sermons, and I think we still struggle with this. Because for the most part, I mean, I'm, 
I, I, don't, I think there are Christian people, as Christian people, we are interested in sharing the gospel. I just wonder how often we're interested in sharing the gospel with people who are like us, but I don't really want to like reach out beyond that. that I'll, let, I'll let others take care of that. Look, people that are like me, that works for me. That's, that's comfortable for me. Uh, but when we say that, the, that salvation is for all, we're talking about all. That means no matter what race. That means no matter what gender. It means no matter what background. Uh, no matter how they grew up. No matter what mistakes they've made in the past. Salvation is for all. I think we believe this. I do. I just don't know that when it comes to it, uh, that, that we always act on it. I, I can, you know, I work in, uh, I work with youth. I'll just be honest, there have been times, and I, I hate that I've done this, where a visitor will walk in, and I'll see them, and then I'll think, they're not sticking around. Like, I can just, I can just tell by the look of them. They're just not interested in spiritual things. Uh, that's wrong. That, that's wrong. And I, I've had to work to get to the point where I realize, like, people can come in different shapes and sizes and colors and appearances and... That's okay. Um, and so for us to look at someone and say, hey, salvation is for all, but not, not for them. I mean, salvation is for all of us. That's not the message of Acts. And so, you know, as you read through the, the book of Acts, the Jews wrestled with this. All through the book, you constantly get this kickback of individuals who really wrestled with this idea of salvation being offered to the Gentiles and truthfully, I think sometimes we can be um, guilty of doing the same thing that the Jews did. Not from the standpoint of a Jewish and Gentile thing, but from an us and them standpoint. We look at people who are different from us and we're like, ah. I mean, yes, salvation is for them, but like, can they just have it over there and we'll, we'll do our thing over here? Um, we need to work as the church that when we teach and preach that the gospel is for all, not only do we say it, but we show it. We show it with our actions. Um, I, wish, I wish we had time tonight to just start Acts chapter 1 and, and look through all the conversion stories and all the different people and their unique attributes and their different backgrounds and then the way that they use their different talents to serve God because uh, there are incredible stories. But I was foolish and didn't sign up for one of the books that's just four chapters. I picked one that's 28 chapters. So we don't have time to do that tonight. Um, but if you haven't spent time in the book of Acts before, or you have, and you just need a refresher, uh, I'd encourage you to work through it, study through it, and look at the different people, uh, because they're all different, and they're all unique, and yet every time the message for them is the same. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ, salvation is offered to them. Um, now, is salvation limited? Sure, it is. Um, Acts 4.12 and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And so there are limitations on salvation, uh, but God has set those limitations. And those limitations are simply, if you're in Christ, if you come to, you know, if you come to Christ, that's where salvation is received. Yeah, sure. If you're trying to access salvation through some other source, you're not going to find it. God has set that limitation. Those limitations are not for us to set. And so for me to look at someone who's different than me and say, I, just, I don't know that it's for you, that's wrong. Uh, and so I hope that in your own life, 
not just will you look at those right around you uh, who kind of fit the same mold that you do, uh, but that you'll look for those who are different, come from different backgrounds, and, and recognize that the same uh, power uh, of salvation is offered to all of us. Um, and I'm thankful for that because I'm very different from the people who first received that message. I know you are as well. Uh, and I'm just thankful that we live in a time uh, that we get to be a part of a church that is unique and different. Uh, let's pray, and then I'll, I'll be done for this evening. Lord, thank you so much for all that you do for us, for your blessings. Lord, we thank you for time like this that we can spend studying your word. Oh, Lord, I know that uh, even in, in parts of scripture like the book of Acts, where many of us have uh, probably read before and are familiar, Lord, that as we study and as we dig, Lord, that there's always uh, truth that can encourage us and, and lift us up, Lord. I pray that you will help us each to take these things that we've been looking at, Lord, and use them in our life. Uh, I'm thankful, Lord, that uh, salvation is offered for all, and that all that come to your Son, uh, regardless of background, regardless of uh, race or gender or differences, Lord, that uh, in Christ that we are all offered that same salvation. And I pray, Lord, that we will uh, use that same grace with others uh, as we strive to share that, that good news with all the world. Lord, thank you so much for all you do. Pray that you'll watch over everyone uh, as they travel home this evening. It's in your Sunday we pray all these things. Amen.